clothes. Yeah, anybody wear new Christmas clothes, right? Yeah, I got my new Christmas shirt on. I got this for Christmas. And so uh, it's funny that right after Christmas, everybody starts wearing all the new Christmas clothes. And it's like everybody's got a fresh new outfit. And, and that's just kind of, you know, you're feeling fly. You know how it is. You're like, I look good. I feel good, right? Because I just want to welcome you guys to church. I'm glad you guys are here this morning. And, uh, and I've got to tell you, I had a great time this Christmas season um, through, through the whole month of December. And, and then we had that whole thing last week with the Christmas service and then even the, the Christmas social afterwards. How many of you guys came to that social party we had? Wasn't that nuts? That was awesome. We had that band that was the jazz band that was there. And like the place was just packed full of people. And, and there were, it was just a, just a ton of fun. Just a great, great party. I can't wait to do it again next year. I just can't wait to do it again next year. If you're a guest with us, I'd like to welcome you. The easiest way for you to introduce yourself to us is just to text into the office, um, and, uh, and you can text in guest and, and just let us know you are here. We love to make new friends, and, um, and I'd love to get to know you a little bit there. And then, uh, so then this, and also if you came prepared to give, you can give electronically, uh, or you can go analog in the Dropbox. Um, this Sunday, I guess, would be the last Sunday to give for the end of the year, so if you're looking for that last minute tax write-off, you know. You're certainly welcome to, to give here. All right, so here we go. Guys, I got a sermon today for you that um, it, it's, uh, it's post-Christmas. It's between Christmas and New Year's, and, uh, and I got to tell you, I, I have a problem. I have a problem, and it started a long time ago. It actually started uh, back when I was in high school, and, uh, and, 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 and I realized this, that I've noticed this thing in my life, that I keep looking to my left and to my right to see what everybody else is saying. Have you ever done that? You look around to the left and to the right and see what everybody else is doing. Sometimes it's because you made that silly, embarrassing moment. You thought, did anybody see me do this? And you're looking around. Sometimes it's, it's for different reasons all the time. But, but what I found is this, is that sometimes we can start to compare ourselves and measure ourselves to those people that are around us because we start to rank ourselves. And we start to look at it, right? And, and in high school, I had this problem that started because I used to play basketball. I, I still can play occasionally, but, but I, I love to play basketball in high school. In fact, I was, I, you know, I felt like I was pretty good. Um, and I don't even hesitate to even slightly humble brag that um, I was playing on the varsity basketball team on my freshman year of high school. And so I, I know you're like, oh man, you know, he must have been pretty good, you know. And so now I did, wasn't a starter. I was like the sixth man, you know, on, on the basketball team. But when the starters got tired, I came in and, and, I, and I like, you know, came in as like the fresh legs to, to help out on the, on the basketball team. And I was always working on my dribbling skills and my shooting skills. And, and I played varsity and it was awesome. My, my 10th grade year, I was a starter on the varsity team. And, and, uh, and so it was fantastic. I was a small forward in basketball. And, 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 uh, and what, I, what I lacked in height, I made up for in, in like passion and, and aggression, being aggressive and, 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 and getting after it, right? And I was the guy that always trying to, 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 to just kind of, I was always stealing the ball. My defense was pretty on point and, and uh, I was pretty good at defense, even rebounding, even though I wasn't that tall. I'm still not that tall, but I mean, compared to basketball players, but, but, uh, but I, I just, I really did well. And I thought, man, I am just, I told everybody I was playing on the varsity, as a starter on my varsity high school team. And Everybody's like, man, that's, that's really amazing, you know. But the problem was this, is that <clears throat> I actually went to a really small private school. How small, you might ask? Well, um, be- between the, the freshmen um, and the seniors all the way through, the entire high school, um, the, um, the, all, all, the, all the boys combined in the entire high school, there were, there were 12 of us. 
There was, <laughs> if you could walk, you were on the basketball team. I mean, it was just that, that simple. I mean, and if you could barely dribble it, you, were, you at least got a little bit of playing time every once in a while. But I used to tell everybody, like, yeah, I'm playing varsity at my school. Everybody's like, wow, that's amazing, you know. And, and yeah, but it was a small little school. And so here's what happened. Is you see, we, we, we ended up moving. Some things happened. I ended up leaving that school. And, 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 he, and I ended up going to Sandia High School here in town. Sandia High School at the time was, was a very large school. It still is pretty big, but it's a large school. And I was walking in there like, like you know, I'm hot stuff. I mean, I'm a starter on the varsity, you know. So, so I show up to practice, the first practice of the, of the season, the first tryouts of the season. And, and, I, and I quickly realized that I was outplayed, out outskilled, out everything. I was the slowest guy on the court. I, I thought I could dribble and shoot. I couldn't dribble and shoot. I was nothing compared to these guys. These guys were, it, compared to me, it was like me versus the Harlem Globetrotters at tryouts. These guys are like loop-de-duping around the back, throwing alley-oops. There were literally guys throwing alley-oops to each other and slam dunking the ball in high school. And I was like, I can't even like see the rim from down here, you know? And, and, and I just thought, my gosh, these guys are Im- Im- incredible. And Scandia wasn't even that great. I'm not knocking my own school, but, but it was an average school in basketball. Apparently, they'd been having practice all summer long, and I just didn't know it. They had, like, this thing going on all summer long, and these guys were incredible. I left the first day of the practice tryouts, and at that moment decided, I'm not going to play basketball anymore. In fact, I started to grow a little bit of a uh, even of disdain towards basketball in that entire department. You know, that coach just had it out for me for the beginning. And, and I just, you know, I, I had this thing in my mind. And I didn't even go to any basketball game for the rest of the year because I was so hurt and disappointed from that experience. I thought it was great stuff because I'd been looking to the left and to the right of me in this small school. And then I got to this different environment and I started to feel terrible about myself because I looked to the left and the right about from the, in the bigger school. Nothing about me changed, but my comparison did. My comparison changed. What I compared myself to changed. Now, now some of you guys are more mature than that. But I'm bringing this subject up today because, I don't know about you, but it's the end of the year. And at the end of the year, this is kind of a natural transition point to where we start to look at back at the last year, 2019. How good of a year was it? Where did I do well? Where didn't I do well? What are things that I need to improve upon? What are things that are are successful? And what are the goals and or resolutions that I'm setting for the next year? And we start to do this. And so I just want to encourage you that don't let the comparison trap get you in this season when you're starting to look and evaluate and analyze about where you are and where you're going. Now, some of you are way more mature than I was as a high schooler, but there's something in all of us that's always looking to the left and to the right, trying to figure out how am I doing? Am I acceptable? Am I measuring up? Basically, we all want a bigger ER added to us, a bigger er. You know what I mean? Like, I want to be skinnier, faster, richer, smarter. I want to have, I'm going to be more er. I want, that's what it is. 2020, I'm going to add more er to my life. I want to have, be, be richer and faster, and, and I want to be prettier and, and, and have more hair er, and, and, and cooler and more talented er, right? Like we, we wanted to add these ers into our life because I want more er than you because then I can feel better about me. Well, then there's the other side of it too. We can get judgmental. I mean, nobody here, of course. But some of us really do have more errs than others. 
In fact, if you're honest with yourself, there's areas in your life where you have more errs than other people. And if you look around, there's other people that have more errs than you in different areas of your life. You know, you can start to think about other people's errs and become judgmental. Like, well, they're a little slower, a little heavier, a little poorer. They're a little shorter. And this makes us feel superior or and you know we shouldn't feel that way either but but if we're honest there's moments there's moments that we have those thoughts and it feels good for a second but we know it's not a good habit but we can't seem to help ourselves but there's another group of us today and er isn't enough we want to be the est the est I don't want to be richer. I want to be the richest. I want to be the strongest, the smartest. I want to be the happiest. (laughs) I want to be in a category all by myself so that when people look at me, they say, wow, that guy's got it. Or maybe you think everyone else is more er than than me. Because some people do that too, or they... They think that they don't have any errors in their life. And they look at around to the left and to the right. And they look into the mirror and, and then they don't like themselves. They maybe even hate themselves. And sometimes you'll tell yourself things like, I'll never be as blank as that person. I'll never be as confident as that person. I'll never be as as successful. I'll never be um, as happy. I'll never be as satisfied. I'll never be. You can look in the mirror and start to put yourself down as you look to the left and to the right, and you look at the gap, and you think there's just no way I'm never going to be. I never will. You may never look that happy or have that much attention or be that athletic or drive that car or be able to get into that school. So here's the bottom line, though. If you don't get anything else out of this message, I want you to get this, that there is no win in comparison. There's no win. There's no win. Anytime you start to compare, you lose. Every time. Every single time. There's no finish line. There's no sense of satisfaction. There's always somebody has more er than you, and there's always somebody that has less er than you. No matter what you do, no matter how you look at it, there is no win. If you're better than other people, it doesn't help you. If you're not measuring up to people, it still doesn't help you. Comparison is a trap every single time. It keeps you captive from some imaginary standard of, quote, good enough that you'll never quite reach. It sets you up for, for, to never enjoy your successes and to always be miserable with your failures. So what, what do we do about this? Like we all have this part of us that wants to compare and, and contrast and, 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 and how, how, do we, how do we wrestle with that? How do we find resolution with this? Here's the thing is the Bible has a lot to say about this, a lot to say about it. And today we're going to look in the book of Ecclesiastes. We're going to look at a couple of things said by King Solomon. Now King Solomon was like, he wasn't an ER, he was an EST in so many areas. He was incredibly wealthy. Like, like wealthy beyond imagination. The Bible calls him the wisest man that, that ever lived. 
So he had more wisdom. He was more wisdomer than you or I. He was richer. He was all these different things. And, and you would look from the outside looking in and think, this guy has it all. This guy has it all. He's not somebody you even want to compare yourself with because he'll win every single time. He did more than you'll ever do. So whatever you think you're going to accomplish, you're not going to keep up with this guy. He was the wealthiest person in the world. Kings and queens traveled to sit at his feet and ask for wisdom. He was the man that everybody wanted to come see. See, Solomon looks at the world and addresses our tendency to compare ourselves to each other. In Ecclesiastes chapter 4, he says this, And I saw that all toil and all achievement spring from one person's envy of another. He's basically saying this, I've watched people. And for the most part, the thing that drives their behavior is competition. Keep it up with the Joneses. The competition is what drives them. They're looking over their left shoulder or their right shoulder, and they're looking what everyone else is doing and where they're shopping and what they're driving and where they're living and what schools their kids go to. And their toil, their work is driven by what they see people doing around them. This is 3,000 years ago. We see this all the time today, don't we? It's just human nature that you start to see people are comparing themselves to others around them and using that as the motivation to try to be better than other people around them. 3,000 years ago, that's a long time ago, Solomon saw people determining where they were based on where everybody else was. He was saying, looking around, and it looked like everybody was determining whether they're okay based on what everyone else is doing. It's human nature. And this summary of this whole idea, he says this, this too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Meaningless. Can you, can you imagine somebody chasing after the wind? What would that even look like to try to, try to chase after and capture the wind? You, you, you can't do it. You're running around your yard, the breeze is blowing, and you're trying to, to capture it. What are you, are you going to grab a plastic bag and, and try to capture the wind? As soon as you grab it, and it's not the wind anymore. It's just air. You, you can't. You look ridiculous. I mean, you'd, you'd never be able to catch it. Comparison is like that. There, there's just never a sense of satisfaction. There's never a sense of satisfaction. Solomon goes on to say this. Fools fold their hands and ruin themselves. In other words, I'm not telling you to not be ambitious, right? Like, I'm not saying don't set goals for yourself. I'm not saying don't be ambitious with life. Don't, don't, don't listen to the dream that God's put into your heart. Because God's given you a dream for your life, and, and you should pursue that. You should pursue that calling he has for you. And, and, and there's nothing wrong with pursuing the call of God on your life and pursuing what God's put into your heart and into your, into your life. There's nothing wrong with that. The, the, the problem comes in when you start to compare yourself to the left and to the right and rank yourself on those levels. See, Solomon says this. In other words, I'm not telling you not to be ambitious. I'm Solomon. Have you seen my temple? <laughs> Have you seen my gardens? I've got 300 wives, 600 concubines. He's a busy guy. He's got a lot going on. He's got all the wealth he can imagine. He's got servants upon servants upon servants to be able to care to every single need that he could ever want. He has more gold than Fort Knox. So I'm not saying you should just sit around and do nothing and not become the best you can be. Only a fool would fold their hands and do nothing. Okay, Solomon, 
You got me. So what are you telling me? Verse 6 says this, Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. Here's what he's saying. This is the richest guy in his generation. And he's saying this, it's better to have one hand open. It's better to have one hand open. If your hand is open, then God can put in or take out whatever he chooses. Having only one hand to clutch what you can is better than having two fists clenched, hanging on to everything that you can get. Why? Because with two fists clenched, you'll never find peace. After you've tightened your fingers around every single thing that you can get, there's always something that you can't get. There's always something that your hands are occupied and you can't grab. There's always something that you're looking at and longing at, and you'll be chasing the wind. Because you let go of one to grab another, and then you let go of this to grab another, and you're always clenching, and you're always grasping, and you're always searching, and you're trying to find that thing. And it's like chasing the wind. Solomon, in verse 7, he says this, Again, I saw something meaningless under the sun. This is so great. He's saying, like, welcome to my message today. We're going to talk about some meaningless things. And yet somehow Solomon makes meaningless things interesting because he goes on and he says this, there was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother, which meant in this culture that he had nobody to leave stuff to. There was nobody that he could leave his inheritance to. You couldn't leave stuff to women 3,000 years ago. Something in life have changed and it's a good thing. And so he says that there's a man who had no one to leave anything to. And yet, there was no end to his toil. Yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. So he said there's people who work and work and they're never content. There's always more to do. There's always another goal. There's, there's always something else to achieve. And then Solomon says this guy asks a question. For whom am I toiling? In other words, why am I doing all of this? Why do I live like this? Why am I current, constantly looking to the left and to the right, wondering, am I okay? Am I okay? For whom am I toiling, he asked. And why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? Why is it that I can't stop and enjoy what I've spent my entire life and leveraged everything in order to get? Why is it that I have to keep churning it out and churning it out? And I get this stuff and, and I'm not even really enjoying it. What am I really doing this for? And what's driving me? And Solomon is saying this, unless you do something about it, it's human nature to take your cue from the person on the left and the right and to be constantly comparing and competing. And then he summarizes it this way and he says, this too is meaningless. It's a miserable business. As long as you're trying to have two handfuls and wish you had a third hand to grab something else, it doesn't matter what's in your hands. It doesn't matter what you accomplish. It doesn't matter what you have or, or how beautiful your wife is or how handsome your husband is or how many trophies you have or, or what kind of degrees you have or the number of degrees that you have. It, it all becomes meaningless after a while. As long as your mindset is like this, it's miserable business and you'll never be able to enjoy your life. And the reason is this, is that there is no win in comparison. 
When we start to compare ourselves to others, we get stuck in this cycle and this trap. So where do I look to define my value? Like, like we, we've all seen people that have fallen in this trap. And honestly, you and I, we've all fallen into this trap ourselves from time to time. We, we've bought that car or we've bought that house or we bought this or bought that or, or we, we made this happen or, or did this thing or in order to kind of like measure up. In fact, you probably didn't even know this thing existed until you saw somebody else have it. And you thought, I, I, I got to have that too. Where do you look to define your value? If I am what I do, then I will have to do more and achieve more to find my value. If I am what others say, I will always try to please people to get their praise. If you're always trying to have more, there's always more to have. If you're always trying to do more, there's always more to do. And if you're always trying to get the praise and the, and the rewards from people praising you, there is no end to that. It only gets worse and worse and worse. So where do you look? Where do you go? Ephesians in the Bible, Ephesians chapter 2 says this, God saved you based on his character and not your performance. You see, if, if God made you in his image, he created mankind, he, he created us to be his masterpiece. You are the masterpiece of God because you are made by the master. And he made you in his image. He, he designed you. It says that he knew you before you were born, before you were formed in the womb. God, God had an intention and a purpose for you. And when you look to other people to find your validation and your self-worth, you will never be fully satisfied in what you're looking for. But God said, God found the value in you. Think about it. The value of who you are is determined by the price that you pay for it. And God sent his one and only son to die on the cross to pay for you. He paid the ultimate price for you because he found the most value in you. He paid the highest price he could pay. God saved you and had nothing to do with your performance. It was based on his character, not your performance. In fact, in Colossians chapter 1, Verse 27, it says that joy and identity can be found in Christ alone. You see, when you find the purpose of God in your life, for your life, and you start to pursue that, you're not looking to the left and to the right anymore. You're just looking and saying, God, what do you have me to do today? God, what do you have for me in life? All of a sudden, your ambition and, and the drive that you have, and, and rather than it being based on what's happening next door or down the street or across the street or, or at school or at the church or, or everywhere you look around at different people, instead of looking there, you're looking to God and you're saying, God, what is it that you would have me do? And you find so much satisfaction and fulfillment there. Second Corinthians 5 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. And the old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. In John, 1 John 4, it says this, God's perfect love is not based on our performance. It's based on his character, which is crazy. It doesn't matter what you do, God's love is still there, based on his character, not your performance. 
And in 1 Thessalonians 1, it says this, I am chosen and loved by God. And in 2 Corinthians 5, it says, we walk by faith and not by sight or appearance. So what if we learn to break this cycle? Like, what if we learn to catch ourselves when we started to compare ourselves to others? Wouldn't that be great to catch us ourselves before we drift too darn far down the line? We're all looking for something to tell us that you're okay, there's nothing wrong with you, you're right where you need to be, and you're good enough. So the question I want to leave with you is this, is where are you looking? Where are you looking for your value, for your purpose, for your fulfillment? What is it that you're looking for? Are you looking to maybe a a parent, maybe a family member? Are you trying to impress or prove something to one of them? If If just my dad or my mom would just say this and approve of me, maybe then I'd feel peace inside. Maybe you're looking to your spouse. Or maybe you're, you're looking to your, your kids. If my kids can perform a certain way, then, then I'm going to feel satisfaction. You're looking to your friends. Are you looking to a spouse? If my husband or my wife could be this way for me. Or maybe you don't have a spouse. And like, if I could just find that husband or that wife, then I would feel the fulfillment and satisfaction in my life. Do you look in the mirror? Like, do you look in the mirror and say, well, depending on how I look, if I could get my body fat percentage from 22.2 down to, to, to 19.8, then, then I would feel satisfied. Is it the scale? Do you look at how good you are at something to find your validation and your satisfaction and your fulfillment? What or who are you looking at to feel like you're okay? Because Solomon says if you look to your left and to your right, if you're not careful, you're going to be clenching your fists, grabbing on to things, but you'll still never feel like you're okay. Are you exhausted from trying to keep up with them, him, her, the Kardashians, the TV shows? Like, are you, are you exhausted from trying to keep up? Are you allowing what others have to keep have to keep you from enjoying what God has already allowed you to own. Because that's the irony. God's blessed you in so many ways. And we discount the blessings that God's already put into our life because we start to look at other people's blessings and compare. Who would you secretly enjoy seeing fail? That's probably the person that you're comparing yourself to. Are you clenching your hands? Listen, there's no win in comparison. There's no benefit. There's nothing good about it. So together, church, let's knock it off. Let's, let's, let's find a way to, to say, you know what? I'm not gonna look here and look there. And, and, and as we start this new year, as we're making resolutions and goals for ourselves, as we're starting to think about the direction that we're gonna go individually or even corporately as a church, as we start to think about this thing, let, let's not look to the left and to the right. Let, let's look and see God and say, God, what would you have for me? What have you already blessed me with? God, where would you have me to go? Let's stop clenching our fists around the things that make us feel like we're better. In fact, I think we should just choose to let go of those things altogether. How would it feel to let 
the comparison go? How much less would you worry? How much less exhausted would you be? Together, let's stop looking to the left and the right, and let's start looking up to our purpose and our significance and our meaning in Christ. Will you bow your heads? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for all that you've done for us and how much you've blessed us. God, the temptation is so real. We've all done this. God, I'm preaching to myself this morning too. We've looked to the left and to the right. We've compared what we have or what we don't have. And, And God, I just ask that you would help us to block out that noise. God, help everyone here to be able to focus on you and to look to you to find our purpose and our meaning and our significance. pray all these things in Jesus, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Will you guys stand with me? Let's just sing one last song before we leave this morning. When I see that cross, I'll see freedom. When I see that grave, I'll see Jesus. And from death to life, I will sing your praise. In the one I see freedom when I see that grave. I'll see Jesus.